What's up, faders? Welcome to yet another action-packed episode of Got Fitted Japan. I am your host, Johnny. And I'm Tom Tom Tokyo. And I'm Jeremy Deschner. That's right. And as you fine folks know, Got Fitted Japan is about three dudes. Booze. Japan in the news. That's right. And Thomas, what episode is it today? Uh, I do believe we're on 576. That is correct. 576. And, uh, Faders, we are here with a very special guest, a very special guest indeed, that is on the polar opposite of this planet, this beautiful planet Earth. Um, We're here with the one and the only and the hysterically funny Aiden Killian. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Me, you only got 575 people before me, but uh, <laughs> I'm honored. <laughs> it's good to be here. I'm in Amsterdam, guys. I'm in Amsterdam at the moment. That's where I am hiding out, hiding out in the dam from the madness of the world. Mm. Wait, so you're escaping the madness of the world by going to one of the maddest cities in the world? How's that working out? Well, it's actually quite peaceful here. I'm in a little house that's hand-built wooden house in a large garden with chickens. Uh, they couldn't rent it out because of Airbnb. And I had an incident in the hotel that I was staying in. So I uh, found this place instead. Sure. It's good. What was going on in the world? And I, I'm in a, I was in Asia. I had a comedy club called The Merry Lion in Asia. And uh, Magnus International Comedy Festival, which is all over. Sometimes we do gigs in Tokyo too. Tokyo, Bangkok. Uh, Phuket, Vietnam, and Ho Chi Minh. We've done some in Hanoi. Uh, where else are we? KL. Um, all over. Basically, there's 10 cities. Mm-hmm. So when COVID kicked in, that all collapsed. And my events in Ireland collapsed because there's no events allowed in Ireland. There's pretty much lockdown. All the bars have been closed since March in Ireland. Uh, people are going mental. Some people are starting to kill their... Um, is there, did you say there's a child nearby? <laughs> Tom, Tom, did you say there's a kid there? He's, he's, he's out of the room, don't worry. Well, in Ireland, yeah, man, so, that's, that's, in Ireland yeah, someone said, they couldn't take the lockdown. <laughs> someone killed their own kids, like, recently. So <laughs> there's it's oh, just people are, can't handle it anymore. So And I'm not very good at being locked in, so I just went off to Amsterdam where they didn't have any lockdown, and everything was open and normal. But it's caught up with me because there's a bit of a lock, not really a lockdown, but there's sort of a... You're meant to wear a mask now in public transport. And you have to, uh, the bars are closed for the last mm. few weeks. Bars and cafes. Although you can still go into the uh, coffee shops. You can still smoke. <laughs> Interesting how they got the priorities. <laughs> yeah, it's all about priorities, right? <laughs> right. Oh, co- coffee, you know, drinking in a bar, that's terrible. Wow, smoking up, oh, fine. You'll be fine. No, that makes you invincible. Yeah, <laughs> so. Amsterdam is dramatically a tourist city and I've been to Amsterdam maybe 15 times or so. And every time I went there, you can't walk straight because there's too many people in the streets. And of course I'm drunk, but how is it right now? Minus the tourists. I mean, it's gotta be really weird, especially in the red light district. It's, it's good. I actually live my, my, my friends, my friends, they're a couple. They live in the red light district. When I say that it's kind of a normal road where they live, but it's two minutes away from the red light district, which would be, these little uh, little windows with red lights and you can look in and there's usually a woman there in her bikini or something like waving at you. Oh, we First, know. I just thought I, I thought it was, yeah, I thought you might know. All right. <laughs> we know. Yeah, uh, what are they there for? It's kind of funny. Cause you could just be, you could backgammon. be in a normal shop. You could backgammon championship, the world backgammon championship. Get it? Uh, back from backgammon. Backgammon. Yeah, I got it. I didn't get it. Yeah, I don't very good. <laughs> don't worry about it <laughs> so yeah anyway that's um red light district is uh it's kind of normal it's really quiet um i have been here when it's been busy before 
and it's just not like that now. It's kind of normal. Like if I walked into a street, it's hard to describe how many, many people would be there or not, but it's just, okay, my friend who lives here, he said it's, he much prefers it like this because I suppose he hates terrorists getting in his way, banging into him on the street. Mm-hmm. So, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. I kind of like, I kind of like um, working from home all the time. So since, since this COVID hit, I mean, I've primarily just worked out of my, my, my apartment and I've never had to go into the office. I like that. Anybody else? Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. Well, I love it. well, Tom, you're unemployed. You never leave yeah. home anyway. <laughs> you have to have a job first, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I love working from home. Wink, wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, well, it's it's but, hard to do that, though. Not everyone can do that. Like, So all the, the staff we had in the bar, they're gone. All the hotels that I work with, they're gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what it's like in Tokyo, but it's, they're pretty much wiped out. Like all of these guys have worked in a long time. I know people. I know one of the bars that I'd set up it's called the Dawkey Comedy Club in, in Ireland. That bar has been around since the 1800s. That's now closed oh, really? down. Oh, actually, wait. I think someone else has bought it, so they might reopen it as, as a different name or something. But okay. uh, then the hotel, uh, what I do at events, that that's, well, it might not close down. But a lot of them, a lot of them are going to close down, and they're family businesses. So there's 3,000 family businesses in Ireland that are going to be wiped off the face of the earth. So wow. uh, yeah. not everybody can work from home. You know, it depends mm. what industry you're in. Yeah, very true, true, very true. And you're a comedian. What are you doing to survive? I'm doing, uh, I, it came for a, a, a lot for me. I was at home and you don't know, know, know exactly what's going to happen because it was still in increments. So originally it started for me in January because it started in Singapore. So I was dealing with closing down events, refunding tickets. Uh, and then I had another two sold out events in Ireland in February and March. And I started, uh, sorry, we had one of them. Jan- Jan- January tour went ahead. Uh, I think we were, we were even in, did we, did we do Tokyo that time? We did. I just didn't go. But Ardell O'Hanlon did a nice show in January in um, Paul's place, uh, the, Brit- the British bar. Yeah, good, good heavens. The name's good, heavens. good, good. Thank you. Yeah. Good heavens. Thank you. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a pretty nice place, man. I, I quite like uh, it. And Paul's yeah, a super yeah. nice dude. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. He's the, he's the best. I really love him. Uh, so uh, so then I was just closing down events, but I didn't know what was going to happen, how long it was going to go on for. So then March, April, so I had no income and all my businesses started closing. So the comedy club recently closed down, at least for good, because they wanted rent in Singapore and we couldn't afford to pay rent and not be allowed to open. Mm. So what happened in Singapore is they took people's ability to trade as entertainment gone there's no license for entertainment so you can't do oh. live music or dancing or poetry or anything like that and we mm. were the only full-time performance venue in singapore so we're gone so basically you just can't do it you're just not allowed to entertain anymore even with social distancing however someone says that might be changing they're opening theater with social distancing of two meters so you where you had 300 people you might have 30 people so let's see what happens there i'm not sure how that's right, gonna happen. right right uh, so, so what did I do so, for sorry. money? Yeah, so I couldn't get. Yeah, you want to cut me off? Go. Well, go, yeah, Tom. just you, 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 yeah. Sorry, you can finish your question, but I realized we forgot to basically ask you to introduce yourself and get, kind of give your origin story a little bit. You just kind of got to talking, but please do finish the question. Then, like, you can give your yeah. origin about. Oh, that's, I suppose it is okay. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, uh, so you, all, can, you can you you can finish the story first, please. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> it all collapsed. <laughs> uh, so, so let's just it, start from the beginning. <laughs> it collapsed. It all fell a fucking part. And for money, I started doing, I used to teach comedy and presentation skills and storytelling. So I did a little bit of that, uh, which I used to love, but it's on Zoom and it's hard to really connect with people. It's hard to really get a, you know, for people to open up fully. I find I can do it, but two days of Zoom in a row can be a lot. So I break it up. And then I uh, left. Then my girlfriend broke up with me because I was sitting around watching all of Netflix while getting drunk. And she had enough of my fucking lazy ass complaining about all my <laughs> fucking events oh. being closed. Oh. No, she was she was right. I was fucking miserable. I was sitting around yeah, doing she's nothing. She's not a ride or die chick, man. She, she had to go. Yeah, she had to go, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. Go, I'll put man. you onto it. Talk to Jeremy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah talk to me. I'll, I'll give her. I'll give her her walking papers, man. You, she's got to go. <laughs> it's too late. She gave them to herself. And, he's, uh, he's over thirty. You're not going to change him. 
So, so I just uh, went to a storytelling course in Amsterdam, a storytelling course for five months, the Mezrab storytelling. Hmm. I thought, you know what? I've always wanted to t- bring in mythology. I've, I've done comedy. I do comedy. But I'd love to like, bring in these ancient stories and try and tell them seriously. Of course, I'll end up making them funny as well. Uh, so mm. that's why I'm here. And I love the place. And I'm fucking happy and healthy and just hoping that fucking the COVID fucking rules don't kick in here the same way they have done in Ireland. I was going to ask you, what kind of um, mythology are you bringing in? Greek mythology or Norse, Norse mythology? Or how, how are you, what are you incorporating into your stories? Some people in the class are doing that, uh, Norse and Greek. I'm doing Irish uh, because mm. I'm interested in it. At the moment, I'm, there's a guy called Lou. You've probably heard of Lunasta, the light, Orion's belt. Apparently, he is Orion's belt. But he was a man. He was, we, we have a famous hero called Cúcullin that we learned about. But we never really learned much about Lou. And Lou was his father, and he saved Ireland from the, hmm. the baddies, the tax collectors. Interesting. I, don't, I have no... no um, background in Irish history at all. So I'd, I'd find that very interesting to listen to. Yeah. And it's not just Irish. This guy, Lou, you'd find him in Northern France and Germany and Wales. So often you have these same figures that they just give a different name to. And often oh, the stories are similar as well. Yeah. That's yeah, always been but, the case throughout history. Zeus and, you know, Odin, those are, those are basically the same characters. Even in crossover. Carry that forward into like even modern day Christianity and, and um, Islam, those are the same base characters. They just change the name. Right, the yeah, big, yeah. You, you get that. You get the, the Moses and like Moses and a guy called Akhenaten in Egyptian history. Akhenaten had some kids. Tutankhamun was one of them. And Scotia was related to she, Tutankhamun and Nefertiti. No, Akhenaten, Aten, Atenism, like one god, Amonism. Yep. He used to be many gods and he changed to Atenism, therefore creating a religious war in Egypt. He lost, so his people had to get kicked out. So his people, Scotia, ended up in Ireland. This is mythology. Some people call it history. Some people call it mythology. I don't know. Uh, but Scotia, Ireland was called Scotia for 300 years. The Romans referred to us as Scotties. The Scottish people don't even exist. They're Picts. They have no origin except for the Irish. Irish and the Scots are the same DNA. They don't like oh. hearing that, but that's basically the truth. <laughs> Scotch whiskey is just a shit version of Irish whiskey. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's taking the red, notes. They've both got the red hair, right? It's a, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but 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 scientifically, we do have the same DNA. We are the same. We're Everyone's the same, the same. Basically, we're all goes, related if you go back far. That's, that's beautiful, Jeremy. And we are one. Thank you. And good night. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop, okay, right? So, <laughs> so, okay. On, on that note, your origin, if you please, Eden. He already said he's not Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not what Scottish. Tom, Tom, oh how God. many times do I have to tell you? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> he was going way back to his origin stories, like the beginning of Ireland. That's his origin story. <laughs> not that far back. I know how he got into comedy and whatnot. You know, what was I, I was working in this. Tom, Tom, thanks for asking. I was working for Bear Stearns, an American uh, corporate uh, job, which giant bank, one of these uh, financial institutions, and they took sent me out to Tokyo, and so I was there from two thousand and six, seven, eight, and I saw a comedy show in a little Canadian bar near Shibuya up these tight stairs, the Maple Leaf, uh, the maybe. Maple Leaf, yeah, 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 yeah. Maple yeah, Leaf, I know that place. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's gone. It's been gone for a while, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. And it was a lovely little bar, and I was just there watching. It was the first comedy show I'd ever seen. And I said to my friend, Steve, I said, I'd love to be able to do that. And he said, put your name down for it. So I went over to the host, a guy called Dave. You guys probably know him. I think he might be Canadian too or American, uh-huh. one or the other. And he said, yeah, I could do a gig a month from that day at the next show, three minutes. So I had a month to create a gig and I absolutely shit myself. I was so scared that first gig. I remember like running in and out of the toilet, really nervous. And these jokes worked quite well. My uncle helped me write some of the jokes. I mean, looking back, they were just a bit, you know, sexist and crude. But uh, <laughs> you got to love a good uncle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I want to get your but, uncle uh, on the podcast next. Yeah, yeah, he's funny actually. He's funny. He's got some funny stories. And uh, so I did the gig, and then I fell in love with it. And I, one of the big things I wanted to do for it was because of the presentation skills. I used to 
be nervous. All these Americans and Canadians, they speak with such confidence in the office, right? Mm -hmm. Hi, and they're so brave. Whereas the Irish were very, we grew up never standing up in school, never questioning authority. I suppose it comes from 800 years of, of being in bondage. So we're a bit shy. So when the attention was on me at a meeting, I would always blush, even if I knew the answer. So I wanted to be able to present myself eloquently and comedy really helped with that. But the problem was then I fell in love with comedy, quit banking, lost all my money, Tom, Tom. I went completely bankrupt, everything. I had properties gone, lost it all. I was staying in a squat in Ireland doing open mic gigs. And I wasn't even that good. Seven minute spots, having hosts shout at me if I was doing eight minutes because I went one minute over. And then it took me five years to be able to do and my first hour, four years maybe, and start getting paid. And then I started doing pretty well, actually, for a while. Started mm. making money and stuff. Uh, do I keep going? That's how I got into comedy. Well, I think four years is pretty good. That's pretty much like comedy college, right? And when you're a student, you don't make any money anyway, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and you do everything when you're back then because you're so hungry. You travel two hours to do like a five-minute spot and, and love it, not even complain, just hanging out with comics. You actually, uh, I used to care back then. <laughs> yeah, the comedy college, that's true. That's awesome. Have you been on uh, many since, uh, uh, of course, since since you started? I mean, you, you've toured with like uh, some major people. Like um, I, I met you for the first time when you toured with Doug Stanhope. Oh, yeah. And I was Doug's uh, yeah, bodyguard. Yeah, you're, you're good. He, yeah. he liked you. That's also how I met Johnny. Yeah. Well, no way. Yeah. You guys met then. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Me, me and Johnny were like right, like front and center, like the second row. So yeah, and I we, remember. Yeah, I do remember you because you opened for Doug Stanhope. So yeah, do you remember the guy who fainted? Yeah, yeah. he was throwing yeah, him out yeah. Yeah. all the way to the left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. guy. Oh man, that was mad. Did Doug no, that was crazy. Me. Did you hear the after story of that? No. no. What? So his little buddy that was next to him that wasn't helping him at all. We had to pick up the guy that fainted and take him out. And then he tried to put on a baseball cap and, ch and a jacket and tried to come back in, but he's all fucked up. And then my buddy, uh, a gentleman named Guy, who's um, a contender for the world uh, light for the featherweight for the featherweight uh, world championship and uh, MMA here in Japan. Uh, he was also a bouncer. He went over and he and he grabbed the guy. And he says, "You're not fucking fooling anyone. Get the fuck out of here. You've already passed out. You're drunk. You're a liability. We can't have you in here passing out, falling all over the place, ruining the show." So he ended up throwing him out. So after the show, all these people wanted to come see everybody in the back room where, where Doug Stanhope was staying. And Doug said to me two words. He's like, no one enters. That was, he's very, he was very clear. He didn't want to see anyone. He's like, no one enters. So, okay, fair enough. So this little guy, he comes up and he starts talking to, um, to my buddy Guy again. And like, hey, man, you guys threw my buddy out and he fell down outside and he hit his head. I want to talk to the owner of this club and he could have died and all this stuff like that. And he started like, getting like punching shit with Guy. Mm -hmm. And then I walked over there and said, what's the fucking problem? And he said, oh, my friend fell down outside and he was drunk. I'm like, you guys brought in your own liquor and you were drinking excessively and we weren't serving you here. So, and we're not, we don't work for this club. So, and you, you can't see the owner and you can't see the talent. And the guy's like, I'm going to come back with all my friends. I'm going to kick your ass. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. That was the end of it. Yeah. Okay. That, that was it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he sounds, sounds like someone you should have become friends with. Yeah, he was just like he, you know all that drunk all that uh liquid courage in him you know so he's gonna stand up but he he's he he was trying to stand up to to me and uh a guy who's basically a contender for a world title <laughs> and he could barely stand by himself <laughs> he could barely stand up himself <laughs> it's a lot of liquid not, courage <laughs> not a good day for him yeah jeremy i needed you on that tour i had to kick out 11 people in bangkok I did personally kicked out me i'm not a big guy by the way you probably can't tell on zoom but i'm like five foot eight yeah and the uh, people out there was punches swung not at, at each other audience people slagging each other one girl had short hair and some guy just started shouting you're a fucking dyke and then she was like because you asked that guy to stop i asked him to stop he called me a fucking dyke i was like i'm not what, what, what are you talking about <laughs> and then he started getting angry I, so I robbed his drink from him and i said if you want your drink back you have to come and get it oh. and then he followed me outside yeah doug attracts all these really angry violent drunk men it's, it was hard not every not every gig but a lot of those gigs were it was good when you were there jeremy then i didn't care because yeah. <laughs> you could do yeah. it you and guy saved my ass yeah we'll, we'll throw them out on their ass but 
you know, normally in Japan, being a bodyguard is not, is not a hard gig. Usually everyone's pretty polite and, you know, pretty even, even till, even kill. But uh, mm, that day true. was special. That day was special. Yeah. There, there was people getting really drunk. Yeah. Oh, well, it's, it's, but it was nice yeah. hanging out with Doug. I it was good hang, hanging out with Doug, but he—I think he, even he hated his own audience. Like as you said, Jeremy, he said nobody enters. Like yeah. I found that very hard. I wasn't used to that. Most people who I've uh, met comics, they you know have a certain amount of time for their fans, but like Doug would always have like a car waiting, or want to get you want to yeah. get straight to the hotel as quickly as possible. And I understand. And it might be hard after getting you have on stage for two hours. And let's face it, he really did, you know, great comedy on he stage. He wasn't the worst. I've, level. I've worked for other comedians, other A-listers, and uh, he Doug was definitely not the worst. He was probably one of the best five, I would say. There, there's more harsh ones. There's, there's other guys who are just dicks. Wow. I mean, they are dicks, man. And even even to their security guards, to everyone, they are just dicks. They're so full of themselves. Wow, who? Name and shame. Who? Do, 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 uh, do. I don't know if I should say his name on the, on the, the air, initials, but uh, initials, he, may have, he may have helped write the Chappelle show. Did you say Dave Chappelle? No way. No, he, I said he may have helped write the Chappelle oh, show. Oh, right. Oh, wow. He was nice to me, man. That's funny. Well, you're a comedian, I guess. He doesn't like bodyguards. Oh, that's interesting. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, okay, there you go. Um, let me see. I found Doug to be really nice, like little things, like in an airport, if there was a queue, he'd always notice if there was an older person and he'd always like mm. move out of the way. Little things that he was very aware about, but uh, he just couldn't tolerate his own fans. So he just wanted mm. to be on his own a lot or have a quiet beer with uh, me or Brian Hennigan or not even a beer, usually spirits um, cocktail. Yeah. But he didn't like groups of people, or at least that's what I thought. I found Hennigan, his manager, to be a, a really na a really nasty, unbearable person. I just wanted to punch him really? the whole time. Yeah. I really wanted to hit him. Like, what do you do? I got used to be, I, Jeremy, I was just, just constantly just shouting, like pointing fingers and shouting. And just <laughs> give me grief. Like it's hard to run a tour. We're in seven countries, I think six countries. But he was just always bitching and fucking whining. Just he just needed someone to slap him, but I didn't have the courage because the I was afraid he, of. The first yeah. time he sticks his finger in your face, you should have you should have just went <laughs> and chomped on it. That would be the end of that shit. Yeah. yeah, I suppose Doug needs someone like that so so he doesn't have to put up with any shit himself. Maybe that's it. Probably, but, uh, yeah. You probably need you probably need an asshole like. Like uh, you need an asshole when you're going in for brain surgery or heart surgery. You need an asshole when you're, when you're dealing with like uh, promoters and stuff for for clubs. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And I suppose they're used to it. Uh, you got them. They're on a much higher level, right, than me. Uh, so I don't really know. I don't have the experience that Doug has. He's traveled around the world doing oh, gigs. Yeah. A lister. Yeah. So he probably needs protection, security guards, and that. Whereas I'd be a bit more laid back at the comics and green rooms. And you don't re I don't really have to deal with any of that. Well, not yet. But then again, I'd see... Yeah, yeah, oh, that's it. I like that. Uh, but then I'd see someone like Bill Bailey. Do you guys know Bill Bailey? He's huge in the UK. Massive. No. But he never had any... Mm. I hate never, to say it. never had any bodyguards. He's, yeah, well, he's huge in the UK and he's really, really liked and respected. He's on TV a lot and he's smart. But him and his family went around. There was they were super nice to everybody always, all the time. And they had loads of time for the fans. So it just depends on who you are and what mood you're in, really. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we met Brooke Kreischer. Yeah. Brooke Kreischer was on the show, and um, oh, my yeah. God, that guy was like the nicest, <laughs> coolest person. Like even after like we did the podcast, he's like, we already went through like I think three, four pitchers. And he's like, all right, let's get a couple more pitchers. Then I got to go back to my hotel. I'm like. What we're gonna like hang out? He's like, yeah, and I'm like, awesome. So yeah, yeah. Burt Kreischer is I mean, <laughs> the coolest person ever. I mean, what you see is what you get, and you get a just like a hundred percent gold, solid gold. Swear to God. Yeah, someone else told me that. That that's that's great to hear. Yeah, I well, I had that with uh, Steve Hughes from Australia. He's one of my favorites. He probably is my favorite comic of all time. 
but he had depression for a few years. So he kind of, he was just about to make it to become like massive, mm. but then he, he, he had to stop performing for a few years, but he's been back. He came back. We did a tour there last, I don't know, just 2019, the end of 2019. And he's phenomenal, but like a whole new level, right? Because he'll do like an hour where it's really smart, well-written, perfectly crafted comedy. And if he left, he'd get a standing ovation. And then I saw him do this a few times. Then he'd go to the fans. Hey, guys, listen, man, that's more or less the show. But now I'm just going to do some stuff that I want to do. So if you want to leave, that's okay. 15 minutes in, like half the audience are leaving. He's like screaming, screaming at women. Women and your fucking feminism. You want a fucking war? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but like when he gets it right, like it's just brilliant. It's so good. But yeah, it's not for everyone. <laughs> I guess the best comedian that I work for so far uh, is Russell Peters. Russell Peters is also a jujitsu guy, and uh, we sat there and we talked about jujitsu all day. And, and he's like, "Show me, show me, like, how do you hold this this move? And then what do you do from here? And what, what do you do from here?" And I was showing him a bunch of cool stuff. And then, like, uh, after the show, he was like, "Hey, you want to you want to come back up upstairs and like hang out and stuff like that?" And I'm like, uh, "Bro, I can't. I got I got to catch a train back." I live in I live in Yokohama, so so there was no way I could miss that last train. But uh, thanks, you know. And I, he was like, "Next time I come down, I'll bring my game. We can probably do some training or something." I'm like, "Yeah, man, just you know, hit me up." Wow, nice one. Yeah, that would be good. <clears throat> Doing a uh, what is it? A, I used to do karate in Japan with some yeah. old uh, yeah, some old Japanese guy, Arakawa Sensei. He was, uh, he's probably passed away now, but he was right. like. Uh, Ninth Dan, he was one of like five people in the world to have a ninth Dan in Wado, Wado Kai. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, he was cool. He's a little old man, but he just touch you like one little touch, and then I'd be going flying across the room. I, rep- I represented Ireland in karate back in the day, <laughs> but 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 that's not it's not really a big achievement because there's not that many people that do it. You know, it's like I imagine there's people that fight in Ireland like representing all the time. I, mean, I doubt if it's. Yeah, it's like you know, Roddy. bar brawlers and whatnot. Yeah, yeah we have bar brawl. We used to. Now we're not allowed to. Have <laughs> Another street the fight. The bars open. <laughs> yeah, so, that, yeah. so that's why the yeah. Irish are going nuts. No, no, going to the uh, pub down in like you know half a half a dozen pints of Guinness and getting into some fits. God, that's why they're going nuts. Well, there's a bit of that. If you go two o'clock in the morning and you go to something called Supermax, which is like an Irish version of McDonald's, except that they use you know real potato and the chips and stuff. But if you go there late at night time, you'll see people kicking the shit out of about, each other. What about pikeys? <laughs> Just drunk people throwing burgers. Yeah, pikeys uh, are travelers. Um, I don't really know. I, they, they have a, a reputation for being able to fight, but I've never had any trouble with them. You know, they've always been very polite to me anytime I met them. I only know one fella. I don't know if he'd call himself pikey. I don't know what phrase he'd use. A member of the traveling community. But John, he's a very, very smart man. Very smart. Really knows what's going on in the world. And it's beautiful to listen to someone like that because he's kind of a sovereign being. You know, you got to remember, like, if you're a traveler, you're someone who's traveling. You don't have a fixed abode. You don't have an address. You're outside the system as we know it. Because if you have, there's a universal declaration of human rights means that you and all of us have the right to travel freely. So that means as a traveler, you're traveling. So someone can stop and demand, say, a police uh they can demand uh whatever identification from you but you wouldn't have to to provide it as a traveler but oh, really you would have to in a regular you don't ID. have to have a, uh, it's an interesting one it's an interesting question because it depends how you identify as if you're traveling nobody can stop you traveling so they'd have to arrest you wouldn't they? they'd have they'd have to arrest you for something so what are they arresting you for because if they arrest you for traveling they're the ones breaking the law they'd be kidnapping actually technically so unless unless they've got some other reason and john this guy i knew i don't know him that well i just met him once or twice but i found him really strong and solid like he had this sort of like open heart like these uh this 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 sense of sovereignty as if there's a king within him you know but but when he looked you in the eyes you'd have it too you know he gave you strength just by looking at you so I, I, I've only had, yeah, so I'd say he'd be well able to fight, though. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of a punch from him. Yeah. but uh, Like a Socrates yeah. type that'll punch you in the face. <laughs> so, Socrates, yeah, Socrates, Rambo Socrates. <laughs> <laughs> so how does the scene, the comedy scene in Amsterdam differ from other parts of Europe? 
Yeah, it is a bit different here. I did a few gigs out here a while back. See, when I got here, COVID was in, so it wasn't really happening. I've got a gig next week with 30 people. Uh, mm. they're, they're allowed 30 people. So uh, Where are you I per- wouldn't be... Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go for it. I'm sorry. I'm performing in a comedy club. I don't know the name of a comedy cafe, I think they call it. Mm. And they said it's a nice gig. I've no idea. Just somebody asked me to do a gig and I thought, why not? I haven't done one in six months, probably six months. There's no gig. I mean, there are no gigs. Bars are shut. Everything's, it's not, I mean, in Ireland, it's not possible. In Amsterdam, I think it's possible if there's 30 people, but the rules change so often that it's hard for them to book a gig a month ahead because the rules may be different again. Mm. And it's also hard to make it economical because if you're a venue, you have to have social distancing and, and you have to have 30 people. So that means it has to be quite a big venue. So how do you profit from that? Like if you, let's say you own the place, so you usually do it by selling drinks or food. But if it's 30 people and your venue is that big, it would be mathematically impossible for you to pay the rent. So yeah. I don't know, maybe this is a theater space or something like that where they're, they have a sponsorship. or What about outdoors? You could. It's winter time. It's possible. It wouldn't be very enjoyable for an audience member to sit though outdoors in the cold. For you know, it could be hard we, after. We have these 10 things minutes. in Japan. I'm sure you've seen them. They're like pylons. They're like these tall, like look like kind of like aluminum palm trees, and they got like a hood on top, and you light a gas fire in it, and it, and it puts out heat, radiant heat, around a certain uh, a radius of that thing. So if you set up a bunch of those, maybe it would work. I don't know. Well, I might have to come to that. You know, I don't really like it. I don't like the idea of participating in, in a new norm. But if if we mm. put it this way, if I was asked to do a comedy gig and it was set up like that, I would happily do the gig. Sure. <laughs> yeah. The hypocrisy. Since you've had six months of downtime, you've been like uh, writing more material or you got anything new or exciting or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I, Tom, you're not going to agree with me on this one, but I did. I wrote a show called Mask Hole, right? Which is actually because the mask hole is seen as both sides. People called me a mask hole for not wearing a mask, but I know that people call people who wear masks a, a mask hole too. So I'm not even sure what it meant, but I got a lot of. Uh, oh, here I'll tell you the background. So I did it. I just I was in the hotel, <laughs> and when I moved to the hotel, right? I won't say the name of the hotel, but it's. It's like, whatever, it's well known. And I, I got there and I said, hey, guys, what happens if the COVID restrictions come in and we're not allowed, if, if I'm not allowed to stay there anymore? And they said, oh, well, we'll give you your money back. So I was paying for a long stay, uh, 800 euros for a month, which is really, really good, good deal. But they had the place was empty because there's no tourists in town and they don't want to close down. So they're doing anything they can to bring in money. Right. So then they, and I said, look, well, I, I, I don't want to wear a mask. So if that comes in, that rule comes in, uh, what will we do? And they go, oh, that probably won't happen here. Because at the time, the science in Amsterdam was like Sweden. Wearing a mask is considered irresponsible, right? If a doctor wore a mask in Sweden, he could be sent to prison, right? You can't, you couldn't do that because it's considered dangerous, right? So I was like, okay, I'll be safe here in Amsterdam. But then things started changing. The rules started changing a bit and some people wore masks, like one in a hundred, one in 50 kind of thing. And then then what they did is they put it on public transport, which I don't mind on public transport because I can choose to do it or not. But then the hotel brought it in at the breakfast table. So I just didn't go for breakfast. Then they brought it in the bar. I didn't go to the bar, but then they brought it in at the entrance. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, listen, I don't want to have to, I don't want to wear it in, in the place where I live. And they go, well, you have to. And I go, well, I don't have to do anything. So we had a slight disagreement, and the, and I was going down to talk to the manager, but the manager wasn't there. And there's this woman, uh, uh, Rianne, who's told, who started raising her voice quite loudly, telling me that I had to. And I said, okay, I will wear a mask on condition that you or someone at the hotel can take financial responsibility for my well-being. And if you provide all the data and documented evidence that you're relying upon to make your decision on, on that it's definitely healthy and to wear a mask and there'll be no consequences to me or anybody else. And she goes, we can't do that. And I go, well, then I can't help you. I'm not wearing a mask because I'm not sick. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a shaman. I'm not uh, in Phantom of the Opera. I'm not Batman. 
And so we went back and forth. So I had to fucking move out of the hotel. And that's when I found this beautiful little paradise over here in the middle of a garden. And that's how it started, uh, Tom Tom. And I know you don't agree with that because you live in Japan and you guys love the masks and the chopsticks, which are ex exactly as powerful of, of getting rid of uh, COVID as masks. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, another question I had for you when we, when you were in Tokyo, did you have any like weird like flavors or like food or anything you wanted to talk about? <laughs> yeah, tell us about wasabi. Uh, segue there. Trying to know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wasabi. I hated wasabi at the start, but I kind of got used to it. Uh, they used to make me eat weird shit. I used to have a boss there, Richard. Uh, he, he used to make me eat fish eyeball. I used to eat a fish eyeball once to keep him happy. I remember like the, uh, the the texture of the pupil in my mouth. That was pretty gross. Mm. Nah, man. I just it's like Never to be sitting there having fun drinking, being close <laughs> yeah. to people. Yeah, because recently they had uh, the fish and chips flavored Pringles. <laughs> oh, you said you were eating fish eyeballs, and I said hence you were never allowed back at the oh, aquarium. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, uh, right, nice, got it. Uh, yeah, yeah, good. That would be uh, that'd be nice, actually. Fish and chips flavors. I like the sound of that. Yeah, well, that's the thing. My wife bought them, and I, I put a picture on our Facebook feed because I thought it was funny. And Jeremy actually expressed interest in eating them. And they kind of sat there for a couple of weeks. I was like, ah, I'll figure, you know, I'll probably hang out with Jeremy and John like sooner or later. And then I come home like a couple of weeks later, my wife just ate them all. And I was like, no, oh, honey, all of them. Man, why'd, you, why'd you have to eat? I know I was saving them. I, I just, I just wanted to try a couple, man. I just like, she said they were really good, but I'll never know. Cause like they're out of stock now. But she told me they were really good. That makes it worse. Yeah. It's like, yeah, thanks honey. Do you know when people eat your stuff, but then they tell you they didn't like it? That's even worse. Oh, I didn't like them, but I ate them anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true, though. I, I, although I guess I can't. She actually bought them. She's the one who found them and bought them. So I guess like I can't be too angry okay. with her. Yeah, it would have been worse if she ate you like your uh, hat. This is like a thing. Yeah, this is actually a present from her from Thailand. Uh, yeah, Thailand. Thailand's in trouble as well. That was closed down for ages, wasn't it? Yeah. What's going on over there anyway? Is wh when are you guys reopening? I thought things are back to normal out there. Come on. Yeah, yeah things are pretty much back to normal. I was at a nightclub last night and I uh, was pretty a much at me. Nightclub. Wow, cool. 50%. I went to watch a movie yesterday. Yeah. <clears throat> wow, that's fun. Oh, wow. You watched a movie in the cinema, you mean? In the cinema, yeah. I went to watch Total Recall. Ah, okay. So you they had a. You guys have it normal. We're, we're in lockdown is happening in Ireland. People have been just locked in their doors uh, fully. Okay, so because that's good mask. to see that you're opening them. Yeah, yeah. So you could say that. I mean, you could. You could there's be 40 years of science that would disagree with that. But you know, that's. Uh, I'll keep bringing it back to that subject, and then, <laughs> then, then there'll be a lull in the conversation. Then you can change the tune again. Ask me about like Japanese food or. <laughs> What, what clothes I like to wear. <laughs> you like kimonos? I'll try and come avoid on, the seriously. Story. All right, guys, come on. Oh, kimonos. <laughs> I bought a kimono once for someone. I had a Japanese girlfriend. God, uh, she was so amazing. Azusa. Uh, what happened to her? What an amazing woman. Well, I left Japan and she didn't really work. And yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I had this thing where... I was with, you know, for the first year in Japan, I was never with a woman, by the way, because uh, I didn't know, I didn't really know how, because they were just weird. In Ireland, it was different. You know, you'd know people in groups, you'd go out drinking, then you'd end up kissing someone. In general, in Japan, you didn't just kiss a random in a bar, right? It was different. You had to look out. Mm -hmm. you had to, yeah. Depends and they might the say no. Yeah. Maybe, maybe for you guys. But uh, like, girl would go like, yeah, No. And I would accept that as a no and think, oh, they're not interested, right? But that wasn't always the case, and it took me a while. Sometimes it meant not yet, like, you know. So, like, I remember once this amazing girl came home with me. We'd, had, we'd been on a few dates. She came back with me, missed her train, and then, you know, like, and I, I didn't know that that was her way of saying that she was going to stay over. I was like, oh, you missed your train. That's unfortunate. Do you need money for a taxi? So I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue. It took me a while to get used to the culture. So eventually, after a year, I met a few, uh, few, few ladies who were good enough to, uh, good enough, who were interested in me also. 
and I hung out and got to know them. But there was a there was a gap, Tom. I could never really fully connect with them, have the banter, have the laugh the way I would with Irish women uh, or maybe English-speaking women. Maybe that's it. There was one, but she kind of was half Japanese, half American or something. Mm. And I just find it hard to get into the depth of connection. It was different. And I felt that was lacking in my relationships. So then I went with, so then I got a French woman instead. And that was pretty much the same. We could never really have that laugh. (laughs) So I'm looking for an Irish woman. For all the Irish women out there, I'm after you. I am after you you all, every one of you. (laughs) Run, run. (laughs) Yeah. It's great. How's how's it like um, in uh, Amsterdam where you are now? Amsterdam is I love it. Uh, we, we I do a theater. Uh, we do a theater practice. Fifteen of us every day uh, mm. work with storytelling and the Meisner technique. I don't know if you're aware of the Meisner technique. A lot of repetition, mm. and it goes quite deep. The stories, you know, like it would be the type of place where people would cry and that. It's not like the heartless comedy world where you've got no soul and you're just racing to get the next laugh. Right. <laughs> Fucking needing the validation. Oh yes, I got my laughter. Oh, clap for me. Yeah. <laughs> in, in storytelling, it's a bit more, uh, you have to feel the story and you have mm. to really connect to that feeling. There's a, there's a great, you know, when you're on stage and, it's working perfectly for you. You feel like you're really in the zone and you're just really connected. Whatever comes, you can just, you have the answer and you're just in that flow. But story, it's harder as a comic to go into storytelling because I need the laughed laughter. I need that. If there's a minute silence, I get a bit, oh God, it's been too long. Whereas now I have to live in that. You need the feedback. Instant feedback, yeah. But, uh, but silence is also instant feedback instant validation mm. and this crave this need for an external source another human being an audience to tell me that they like me and you know th- th- that's great but it can it cannot be great as well but in storytelling w- i have to live in that space much longer so i have to really connect mm. with the audience without their laughter i have to really feel it and so i'm enjoying that so that's my focus in amsterdam i'm not here getting stoned all the time Although someone asked me to, to today, and I'm thinking of doing a, a psychedelic, a psychedelic training, shrooms, <laughs> not a, not a training, a training, a treatment, we'll say. So I'm, I've signed up to a one-on-one with that, but I'm not. I'm trying. Like I'm a try- vision quest. Yeah, you could call it that. Uh, you could, I did it once before. I did ayahuasca with a great comic, actually, Nick Sun, one of the best in Australia. I think he was the only comic ever to win the uh, the newcomers award in England and Australia at one stage I think someone else might have done it since mm-hmm. but he was tipped to be one of the all time greats actually he toured with Doug Stanhope Doug Stanhope used to do something called the Unbookables he'd look for the least bookable comic in a country and everybody recommended Nick Sun so Nick Sun mm-hmm. was extraordinarily talented and still is but he'd come up with new material all the time whereas when you're starting off if you do that you can be seen as unreliable so he won these two awards went out and did his shit they booked him for the industry, booked him for an hour or half an hour as a headliner and he wasn't ready for it. So after right. six months of that, then nobody booked him. Anyway, he became a shaman. He did ayahuasca. The plant told him he was a piece of shit. And so he <laughs> went to, yeah, it, but pretty much. So he went to live in a hospice, dead people, holding people dying in India, you know, with leprosy and stuff like that. And then he felt less of a piece of shit. So he worked with animals and then he worked with the plant medicine in South Africa, South Africa, South America. It's all the same to me. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he then, um, he then uh, sp- spread that around, started sharing the, the, the plant medicine. So I did it with her twice and you know, it's fucking powerful stuff, powerful stuff. Lucky for me, uh, the plant didn't tell me I was a piece of shit. In Tokyo and craving soul food, We've got just the place for you. Soul Food House in Azabujuban. Check out what we do at soulfoodhouse.com. Come by and taste the love. We look forward to feeding you. Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, faders? If you're in Asia, if you're in Japan, if you're in Tokyo, if you're in Asagaya, you better get down to Mitsuya Liquors. That's right. For the most affordable prices in Japan, you can get over three 
300 different kinds of beer. That's right, over 300 different kinds of beer. And of course, they got all the shochu you need, all the sake you need. And of course, they got wine from California to Italy to France to New Zealand. They got it all. When I say they got it all, they really, seriously got it all. There's no joke about that. So get down to Mitsuya Liquors. And if you go in there and you say, got fit of Japan, you will be more than welcome to go into their back room and drink those beers that you just purchased. That's right. Got fit of Japan at Mitsuya Liquors. And three times a week, they have a sushi chef there. So get your sushi on, get your drink on, get your fade on, and come on down to Mitsuya Liquors, located comfortably in Asagaya. About five-minute walk from the station. It's hey, yo, what's up, Vaders? Johnny here. You know I love booze and news, but I also love art. So come on down to thespiltink.com and check my art out. I've got tons of stuff there for you to check out. I've got paintings, I've got prints, I've got videos. And I tell you what, if you like a painting, I could probably sell it to you. And I tell you what... If I can't sell you that painting, I will definitely sell you a print. I've got prints of all my work. Prints are about 2,000 N each, about 20 bucks. But if you buy two, you get the third one for free. So come on down to thespiltink.com. Yo, and on top of that, I'm looking for commissioned work. So if there's something that you want me to do, I can make it for you. Just check out my stuff and see if you like my style. And if you like my style, I can definitely paint you anything on canvas, paper, whatever. I've done it all. So come on down to thespiltink.com. That is T-H-E-S-P-I-L-T-I-N-K.com. Thespiltink.com. Proper. Are you at Harajuku with some out-of-town friends or your family or significant others? Yeah! Do you want to chill and drink beer and eat sandwiches while your friends overpay for glitter unicorn socks? Yeah! And the flavor's gonna make you complete at Harry's Sandwich Company. So come on down to Harry's Sandwich Company in the heart of Harajuku, right off Takeshita Street. See you there! Yo, what's up, faders? It's your boy, Johnny. I have an opportunity for you. Well, in fact, I have 50 opportunities for you. A few years ago, I painted all 50 American states. And in each and every state, I painted in all major city names, the state's cultural icons, pop culture that pertains to that specific state, and a whole lot more fun, interesting, and educationally groovy stuff. The project took me over eight months to complete, and now they're yours forever. I have digital prints available for download on the Spilt Inks Etsy shop. These prints started off at about five bucks a pop, but not anymore. These high resolution prints are a dollar each. They're yours for a dollar each. So brighten up your walls and expand your mind with your favorite state. These prints are a dollar each, and they're worth so much more. These are these, these paintings are absolutely incredible. You're gonna love them. And if you don't like the state project, that's cool. That's cool. Johnny still has love for you. But check out the Spilled Inks Etsy shop to find all sorts of other wild art that will save your soul and blow your mind. So go down to the show notes for a direct link to the Spilled Inks Etsy shop. Go there, shop away, support the show because we love you and we love art too. So faders, without further ado, enjoy the show. If you're going to get your fade on, you got to get your fade on in style. And that's why I use Ghost Town Palmade. Ghost Town Palmade is the number one badass palmade, and I practice what I preach. When I leave this house, if I'm not wearing a hat, if I'm not wearing a lid, I'm wearing Ghost Town Palmade in my hair. This stuff is amazing. It smells good, it looks good, and it feels good. Ghost Town Palmade, badass palmade. And let me tell you one thing comes in a lid. That's pretty badass. This whole world is so nerfed up these days. Everything is plastic and pink, but not Ghost Town Palmade. This stuff is a man's palmade, and it is hardcore. It's so hardcore, it's from Oakland, California. Oakland, California. That's right. Ghost Town Palmade. Get your fade on in style. Proper. All right, oh, so karate. I, I, yeah. I asked this question to all the comedians we have on the show, but like this is one of my favorites. Uh, best heckler takedown. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a good one. Oh, uh, no. Um, best one is something that I've done. I remember it was awful. It was awful what happened. He was eating. This guy, <laughs> this guy was eating. Fucking... Uh, 
M&Ms or some crap, right? And it was just, he just kept on making noise. I said, what are you, what are you doing, man, eating, eating crisps? And he goes, no, no, they're M&Ms. And, and I go, well, could you, could you stop eating the M&Ms while I'm doing the show, please? And <laughs> he goes, he goes uh, yeah, or whatever, he doesn't, and he keeps eating them. And then I go to take the fucking M&Ms off him, and, uh, and I start going, eating the M&Ms with the microphone beside his ear. See, that's annoying, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, but wait, wait for it. It gets worse. Then he stands up, right? Turns to the audience and picks up his fucking blind stick. He was a blind oh. man. <laughs> he was a blind man. And I just looked like the biggest asshole in the world. <laughs> Joke's on you. I didn't know, though. I didn't know. I couldn't have known. Yeah, that was funny for everyone else, though. Did he get like lost? he took it in jet? Trying to walk out? No, he didn't walk out. He was happy. He was just like showing me up. You know, basically, he stayed for the show. <laughs> yeah, so, like I can't really. I, I used to just be nice to hecklers. Actually, yeah. I used to be nice to them and just give them the space and, and to offer them a hug. Do they need attention? Do you want to come up on stage? Like usually, unless they're unless they're being mean, really cruel, then usually you just give them rope. Give them rope and let them do their thing. They'll fade away. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Doug. I had to. We had to kick them out of Doug's because there was too mm. many of them. Yeah. Just too many. So, yeah. have you got a good one? Give me a good one. Jimmy Carr is famous for over on this side of the world for, you know, talking about fucking people's mothers and stuff. Oh yeah, he was really good. He was supposed to come to Japan, but uh, ended up getting canceled due to COVID as well. Oh yeah. Well, I actually, yeah, he did get canceled last time he was supposed to come here, but I actually saw him like maybe a year or two before that. And like, there's definitely some hecklers, but he didn't really go off on anybody. Like, uh, the, the one I remember is like, I, I've, cause I've seen like him on YouTube, like when he takes down hecklers, usually he get, like you say, he gives them a little bit of like rope to hang themselves with, right? Before he goes in for the kill. But some, some guy was trying to have, some drunk asshole was trying to have a nonsensical conversation with him. And he, he was kind of playing ball. So going back and forth a little bit. And all of a sudden, some hero in the crowd. It's, it's a big auditorium, too, so I have no idea like where anybody was. But like, yeah, all of a sudden, somebody out of the crowd goes, "Yo, man, shut the fuck up! We're here to see Jimmy Carr, not your drunk ass." And like that guy got an instant standing ovation, and he, and he shut up after that. <laughs> standing ovation? Can you imagine? Wow! Yeah, heckling the heckler. Just some rando in the crowd too. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, well, I don't really see that many. I haven't seen heckles in a while. I think I need more heckles. You know who's very good? You wouldn't know him. Australian guy called Kyle Hennessy, but he doesn't really have a show. His whole show is not having a show. He just talks to the audience and makes them heckle him. And that's hilarious because he really brings out the darkness. He really, you know, opens the floor and gets, come on, you can do better than that. They start like fucking calling names. He's like, you can do better than that. Come on, you faggot, heckle me. And he just starts abusing them. And that that's funny, I find. I mean, yeah, anyway. Probably someone will say that's homophobic, but that's still hilarious. <laughs> Best one ever was Bill Burr heckling the audience. There was that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Philadelphia. Yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. You just into yeah. it for like 12 minutes and counted it down. I got fucking uh, 10 more minutes of this bullshit. What did uh, he say? I'm getting paid away. It's like them about Rocky. It's like them about their football team. Everything. Yeah, that was. I wish that was on a better recorded, like better quality. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so funny. Hey, Johnny, what do you say we um, we uh, hop into the news real quick? I was just going to say uh, that. Yes, yeah, so we do have the news, faders. We've got three amazing stories, and um, I think we should start off with a bang. And uh, Tom, I think your story is pretty incredible. So I would like you to start off first, my man. All right, sure, man. I'll uh, I'll go ahead and take the floor. And uh, yeah, I think this will be very fun to read with a comedian in the room. Uh, okay, here we go. Tokyo talent scout. Picks wrong woman to try to recruit, and not just because she's a politician. Oh yeah! So, so, by the way, scout is a scout is an air quote. Um, showing her photos of events he, he claims to have managed accurately. Tokyo is the center of Japan's fashion images, and while some stars are born through the audition process, others are found by people watching scouts who hang out in trendy neighborhoods, scan crowds for beautiful people and with some sort of visible X factor and approach them with an offer to join a talent agency. However, one self-professed scout probably would have thought twice before he went up to Yuki Hashimoto if he'd known a little bit more about her. 
Sure, the 27-year-old Hashimoto is an extremely photogenic young lady, but, well, we'll let her explain what happened. So this is like, this is her tweet translated. Uh, I was at the station when a super sketchy scout, or maybe a guy selling something, came up to me and started talking to me. He wouldn't leave me alone and kept following me, saying, I organize events like this while showing me an event website. But there were a ton of pictures of Kamen Joshi, so I busted up laughing. Kamen Joshi literally translates to masked girls. And true to the name, the idol singer unit often performs in the Friday the 13th style hockey masks, mixing traditional perky idol antics with horror overtones. However, Hashimoto wasn't laughing because the scout was trying to recruit her with the promises of such offbeat stardom, but because she was one of the masked idols in the photograph that he was showing her. It was Hashimoto herself. <laughs> See, it wasn't that long ago that Yuki Hash- Hashimoto went by Yuki Sakura. The idol's uh, <laughs> stage name she, she used as a member of the Alice Juban, one of the groups that teamed up with Kamen Joshi. And that's not, ag- not, not even the only reason trying to scout Hashimoto off the street was probably wasn't going to end success. The second is that she's got a full-time job these days as a politician, having been elected in Shibuya Ward Council in 2019. So yeah, while the scout probably has does have an eye for spotting a star power, he was several years too late. Nice <laughs> one. Uh, wow, that's incredible. So, but, she's still got it. Though. Exactly. Right? I like, <laughs> she's still got it. I like that she's a politician now. What a turnaround. Like she's now like mm-hmm. she was doing X Factor type, you know, being pretty stuff, and then now she's changing legislation to make the world a better place. <laughs> Oh, in Shibuya. <laughs> and Shibuya, no less, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Johnny, you want to go next? Okay, I'll go next. Okay, my story isn't as funny as uh, Tom's story. In fact, mine's actually kind of sad. So, um, yeah, we're going to take a little dip, baiters. <clears throat> okay, so first off, let me ask you guys. Are you a dog person or a cat person? Jeremy? Uh, dog person. Dog person. Me too, Tom. Cat. He loves the pussy. All right, yep. Aiden. Hey, uh, I'm a dog, but I've started to like cats a bit more lately, but I'm still a dog. Uh, okay, all I right. I got outvoted. No, 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 no. Cats are good. I love cats, too. Okay, so, well, the story's a little dark, but here we go. Health officials find 164 dogs crammed into tiny house. Japanese health officials have found 164 dogs crammed into a tiny house in one of the country's worst cases of animal hoarding. <clears throat> the parasite-infested animals were found in a 30-square-meter house in the city of... Wait for it. Wait for it, Izumo of all places. Of course, we love Izumo, but not tonight. Um, They found the dogs in mid-October after neighbors had complained. I wonder how long it took the neighbors of not complaining until they just said, this is the final straw. This is the last, we gotta complain. (laughs) These 164 dogs, they got me at my last nerve, I swear to God. (laughs) The smell itself would have been horrible. Gross. Gross. And Japanese houses are usually really close to each other, especially in that area. Right? All right. The dogs lived crammed into shelves and under tables and chairs. The entire floor was filled with dogs, and all over the floor space you could see was only covered with feces, quote, end quote, said police. Public health officials first visited the house seven years ago after getting complaints from neighbors. You know, I mean, the neighbors complained once and then it took them seven years later to complain again. (laughs) Enough is enough with these fucking dogs. These mutts got to (laughs) go. What kind of job do these people have that they can have that many dogs and feed them? They can also go to (laughs) shit on their Uh, shoes. 160. (laughs) Just turn up stinking like dog. I would complain to my boss. Look, man, uh, Koji over here smells like a turd. (laughs) Well, usually the sad thing is, though, it's usually when we get cases like this, because this isn't the first story read like this, it's usually like older people that are just collecting a pension or kind of maybe going a little bit uh, senile. That's kind of the sad part. Mm. That is pretty sad. Well, like it just. I just like the neighbors. It's incredible. You're right. Like the loyalty, like the the amount of honor, like to not like rat your neighbors out. Like, I mean, imagine that was in the States. 
just get shot. <laughs> Definitely. Oh my God, the tolerance. The tolerance is incredible. You know, I would like to think that these people own like, I don't know, a fur company, like a fur coat company. I mean, we've all seen 101 Dalmatians, right? Maybe they kind of Corolla. have the, uh, yeah, the Corolla DeVille kind of uh, edge to them. I don't know. Anyway, moving forward, the three people living in the house, three people with all these dogs, mind you, the three people living in this tiny little house said that they could not afford to spay and neuter the dogs. So they just kept on getting more and more dogs. Now, this is kind of like the <laughs> problem that just keeps on growing, kind of like Mickey Mouse and Fantasia. Remember him when he had like the, the wizard's cap and he had all those brooms that kept uh-huh. on like creating one after the other after the other and stuff. That's pretty much what happened with these dogs. They probably had one and the dog was pregnant and it had babies. And they're like, oh my God, this is great. Seven years later, it's fucking anarchy in that fucking house. <laughs> so, so it's kind of like herpes, the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> you would know. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> You walked into that one. <laughs> Did Sagami said that the family has agreed to give up the dogs and his group would look for foster homes. Oh, there you go. That's the story. Oh, gross. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> Do you think it's real? Do you think that's real? No, it is real. It's from the news. Wow. Yeah. Oh, well, then it has to be real. <laughs> well, no, those dogs dropping coils in the living room, man. What? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Could oh, you imagine man. feeding them, dude? Those dogs probably turned into cannibals, dude. Probably ate each other, yeah. Shit. They probably fought all the time over food. I know some breeds of dogs will just fight to be an alpha dog, but if there's 164, how badass is that alpha dog? What if they're pit bulls? Uh, not only that, I, I imagine they, they'd be fighting each other over space, man, because, like, you know, dogs just like anybody else. They just want a quiet place to lay down and get some sleep, right? Good mm-hmm. point. Yeah. 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 Or maybe they're I, think I think I'd run away. Yeah, <laughs> maybe they're like tiny little dogs. <laughs> they'd still fight, surely. Surely, sure, they're, they're still pack animals. I'll have an alpha for sure. All right, Jeremy, your story, man. All right, I'm going to hop into something that I know all about, and this is fighting. So uh, this is a a story of a 62-year-old gentleman arrested for assaulting a pub drinker on the street. So police in Kawasaki, Kanagawa Prefecture, where I live, have arrested uh, a 62-year-old man on suspicion of assaulting a 47-year-old man on the street outside of a pub. According to the police, the incident happened around 9.35 p.m. on Wednesday. Uh, Sakai, uh, Sankei Shimbun, uh, newspaper, quoted uh, police as saying the suspect, Akinori Sato, came into the pub in Kawasaki Ward and sat at the counter beside the victim, uh, a, company empo- a company employee. Police said the two men did not know each other. Other customers said that Sato, who was drunk as fuck at the time, started insistently talking to the victim <laughs> who paid no attention to him and uh, appeared to get on Sato's tits. And uh, so Sato reached over and slapped him across the face and punched him right across the right side of his jaw. <laughs> Brutal. 62, man. He's 62. <laughs> uh, then the, 9.35 p.m. is a little bit like early to be getting super mega wasted, right? Corona, man. Tom. Corona, I guess. Tom. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> yeah, so then the two went outside and continued arguing. And somebody who was walking by called uh, 110, which is 911 in Japan. Uh, the police came by and uh, Sato said he's denied the charges and claiming he was drunk and doesn't remember the, innocent, the incident. So that makes everything okay. Good lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> Just reached over and slapped the guy. I'm talking. <laughs> You're going to listen to what I have to say, goddammit. Back in my days. Old man strength. Yeah. Don't, don't interrupt me, yeah. yeah. That reminds me, that reminds me, I was in Greece there recently, and uh, my friend told me, that I have a Greek friend, Yanis, and he told me that there's a famous story in Greece where there's a man who paid for the musicians to do a dance, right? They do a, they do a song and he dances to it. Traditionally, no one else dances when this happens. That's the Greek culture. It's your dance. You paid for it. You do the dance and everybody admires you and claps. But he was, uh, he was a bit of a socialist and the cops didn't like that. So a uh, mm-hmm. policeman, I think two policemen, are, uh, stood up and danced during a song mocking him. So he sat down, waited for them to finish the dance and took out a knife and stabbed both of them. Damn. <laughs> and, and they went to prison for like 30 years. Damn. He's like a hero. Check it out on Greece, like uh, on, on YouTube. It's put in like Greece, a uh, stabbing song. 
and you know it's, it's in a movie and everything. He wrote a book. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. intolerant. Like it just you, you you've crossed my boundaries. He's getting murdered over the hokey pokey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, they do call him. <laughs> really got the just pokey. to my song. Yeah, yeah, right. Dance battles. Uh oh, that's classic. That's absolutely classic. All right, gents. Well, I mean. First off, Aiden, I want to say thank you so much. And uh, before we let you go, gentlemen, do you have any more questions to ask Aiden? Uh, yeah, I'm going to sh- ask him a question. Uh, you got anything you want to plug right now that you're that you're working no. on or that's coming up? Or uh, thanks, man. Um, what do you think is going to happen? And also, tell people how to follow you on, on your social media. Mm. Yeah, I've kind of been out of the game for a while because uh, of this. So I'm getting my website done and everything. Just ask. Add me on Facebook and say hello is probably the best. I'm putting most stuff up on Facebook. Aiden Killian on Facebook. Um, yeah, I, I'm writing a lot. I, 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 or an email. Oh, yeah, that's not even working. My, my website's www.aidenkillian.com. Just email me. I've got like a free book online, Dear Plonker. It's about not paying toll bridges or TV license or credit card debt, how you can do it, you know, and still uh, win. Uh, mm. So I used to do that. And... That's it, really. I've no gigs. I don't think there's going to be any gigs, guys, for <laughs> for the next year. Sorry about that. If come back to me in a year, and I'll right. have another world tour. Come visit yeah. us in Tokyo in a year. Oh, I'd love that, man. I'd love that. Yeah, let's hang out. If I do come there, I'm serious. Yeah, then I'll be drinking right. again. Let's get down to the right. good heavens. Yeah, we go and get drunk and keep Paul up late. Although I think you said <laughs> the, the bars are closing at ten, but that'll change next year, right? Sure, I'm sure. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, good. Oh man, Aiden, thank you so much. It, it's been a real hey. pleasure having you on the show, man. It's, I mean, audio gold, audio gold, man. Thank you so much, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's being sarcastic, but yeah, good to see you guys. Cheers. <laughs> Take care, brothers. Bye-bye. Thanks, Aiden. Bye bye. Thanks, Aiden. You have a good one, man. Cheers, Best of luck. All right, that's the show. Um, I halfway through, I didn't hit record. It stopped recording. So I think that's kind of like a good way to kind of warm up or something. So if you want to do it all over again, if you guys remember like the questions and stuff, we could just hit it. Is that cool? Let's go. <laughs> I'm in. Uh, this, this time first, like uh, just to flip it around, uh, can you start off with your origin story and then you can talk about no, I'm joking. Yeah, so mythology, right? Lou, uh, Moses, uh, oh, Ireland, it's all you're one. Fuck off. I never know when you're joking. My own brother, a goddamn shit soaking vampire. Oh, you wait till mom finds out, buddy. I've got a government job to abuse and a lonely wife to fuck. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Out of the pressure. I can't take it. I can't stand it. You sure I should use me? We're going freaky. We came, we saw, we kicked his ass. Your move, creep. Man, I will never forgive your ass for this shit. This is some fucked up repugnant shit. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold.